Episode 4 of At Home with Dylan Rogers and one with a twist. Penny Haynes claimed two breaststroke gold medals at the Atlanta Olympics 24 years ago and she broke 14 world records over the course of her career. But she's also an old primary school mate of mine from our days in a small coastal town called the Mamzentoti. So what's she up to now, 20 years after retirement and about 10 years since I last interviewed her for TV? I think probably since you saw me at ETV, back then I was sort of not having anything to do with swimming. Yeah. And then slowly got back into the sport and really using swimming as an excuse to get the athletes into the classroom to work more on the psychology aspect of it. Okay. Um, so that's been going well. Uh, we've done a lot of that stuff internationally also, um, both on the corporate side, but also um, a lot of it with the expat community um, with international schools. So... It's been an, uh, it's been nice because it's been a lot of travel. So um, no, a lot of uh, focus on the technique aspect. So like you, I did a lot of stuff on pool deck, which now obviously I can't do, mm-hmm. and in person workshops and stuff. So we've managed to do a lot of it. Like at least the in person workshops, you can kind of move into doing online coaching. So yeah. there's a lot of those programs that's been happening, both one on one and in small groups. So at least it keeps it keeps the cash flow going, but mm-hmm. obviously it would be better if um, if I could do it in person. And then I'm I'm on FINA, I'm the chair of FINA's athletes committee and on the bureau mm-hmm. and the athlete representative on Rider's compliance review so committee. So there's been last year was like 19 inter, individual um, international trips. Wow! So from that to nothing, <laughs> it's quite an adjustment to just be sitting at home not living out of a suitcase. It's nice, but I'm, I'm kind of ready for things to start changing again. Just to summarize, Penny, about where you're at in terms of a, a work point of view, and maybe you can break down what um, OmniShare is all about, because obviously there are different facets to it. You mentioned the coaching. I know there's mentorship. Um, maybe just break down all the elements to your, to your overall business that you and Zelda have. Okay, so we began on this year, I think, just after I retired from swimming. And the initial focus was, part of it was still managing my profile, and then a lot of it was the corporate speaking circuit. Uh, we produced, like, self-produced my autobiography, a couple of other products. And as I say, we kind of try to steer away from the sporting environment, other than um, my involvement with FINA. And then we've now, for the last decade or so, been back in the sport progressively more and more. So I'd say the two largest components of the business would be the neuro coaching side or mentoring, depending on, on what client you have. Um, and then a lot of it was also workshops, in-person workshops and swim clinics and mental toughness, um, training modules, that kind of stuff that we did. Uh, both abroad and in South Africa. Um, and given COVID now, obviously, we've had to convert a lot of that stuff into online programs, which we've been doing. Um, other than that, OmniShare has been involved with some projects, always a little bit uh, touching on the sport-related aspects of it. You know, given that Zelda's background is event management and, and uh, they ran some really big events like the Engine, um, I think International Track and Field back in the 90s, you know, the swimming nationals, all that stuff, Mandela's banquets. So on and off, we've been involved with that, but it's it's 
I'd, I'd say largely our involvement still is more on the sports side with swimming, the technique aspect and the psychology side. So if I um, if I take you to to pre-lockdown days, first of all, just give us some, give us some context and, and, and place yourself. Where is home? And you're on a farm, am I right? Yeah, I'm on a farm just outside Cullinan. So an opportunity came about that it's actually his eldest brother. He's had the farm for a very very long time. Was going to sell, and the opportunity was to buy into the farm. And it's not so bad since a lot of work, I suppose, is done you know remotely. I do a lot of travel anyway, so um, in terms of location, it wasn't that necessary for me to be, you know, in town. Um, most weekends, when we weren't in lockdown, I would be at Midrand at Wahoo. Um, it's right next to St. Peter's College, the aquatic centre where I do individual coaching, one-on-ones, working more on technique and the mental aspect. Mm. But lockdown, obviously, has changed all of that, yeah. So, so, so give me a sense of, of what, what a normal weekday would look like pre-lockdown um, out on the farm from a work point of view and from a personal life point of view. Okay, um, in terms of work, my week is sort of backwards. As I said, it's, it's eight hours on a Saturday and eight on a Sunday doing the coaching because a lot of my clients belong to clubs, mm. so they can't do it in the week, um, which means then invariably... I, in theory, I have a day off in the week, but that doesn't always happen, you know. The world doesn't stop for you. So, yeah, there's a fair amount of office-bound work, but I'm fortunate that Zelda is, she likes the admin side, the logistics aspects of it, which I just don't like at all. Mm. I'd rather just teach. So, um, I get a lot of free time, I suppose, uh, during the day, which I have uh, six dogs. There's actually seven, but I can't claim the last one. So, <laughs> they keep me busy. When I am, yeah. As I said, I travel a lot. Last year was a lot of extensive travel, mm. um, specifically because of the Russia decision that we needed to make and, and all of that background. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a week. At, uh, like I say, a lot of online coaching. Um, it happened before lockdown, but obviously it's taken off and been more um, sort of the norm uh, given the COVID situation. And is this farm, is it, is it a working farm? Is it more sort of a, you living on a farm? I mean, what kind of farm is it's it? A little, it's a little bit of both. There's some cattle, uh, a portion of it. A lot. The largest portion of it is sort of more bush felt. Um, there's another portion which is great for um, the agricultural side. Uh, Zelda has her own project there with... Uh, she farms with snails, escargo. It's not like anyone's going to come over and steal your snails. <laughs> but if, if a cow gets stolen or a cow dies, you're looking at 10 grand plus, you know. So so it's a little bit of both. Um, I know she has some plans to go into um, some other aspects of agricultural farming as well. So that's that's just, I, I'm the silent partner there. So you're not much of a farmer yourself? Yes. No, no, not really. I like to walk around, be in the bush. Um, I like the nature, but um, I leave the rest up to those who know how. So if we're talking lockdown, then uh, your schedule is not too different. Obviously, you know, the in-person stuff and in-person coaching you can't do at the moment. Um, do you kind of try and balance your yeah. day between getting outside, being indoors, walking the dogs? Is that, is that a sort of good description perhaps of how you spend your time? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, 
the dogs like to go for their morning walk slash run. They run, I walk, or I ride the bike. Um, and then it's just good to be outside, you know. Um, it's starting to cool down now, but at the beginning of lockdown, it was still really nice to be outside. And, you know, there's nothing stopping one from taking the computer outside and doing some work. Uh, I do the online sessions, obviously, indoors, just it's a more controlled environment. And, uh, yeah, it takes it takes a degree, as you would know, of discipline. Mm. when you're working from home in such a sense but because it's been the norm anyway it hasn't really been much of adjustment you know we try and be in the office by 8:39, the latest sometimes it's if, if i'm doing coaching and from the u.s with those clients and it's 3 a.m in the morning anyway um and sometimes i get to negotiate an afternoon nap <laughs> if the boss allows it <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> now now what about uh what about from a training point of view penny i mean how do you keep in shape or keep fit is are you you mentioned the bike is is that your preferred who says i'm in shape or fit <laughs> <laughs> i, I, get, I guess there's an assumption i was quite diligent a little while ago and then with the travel it became a little bit disruptive and i must confess i haven't been too good um during the COVID period i do have a bit of gym equipment here i'm very fortunate i have a 20 meter by three meter pool but it's it's not heated so it's 18 degrees right now so there's no way i'm getting into that water um and yeah as i say i'm not much of a runner swimmers weren't built to run so i'd prefer to take the bike and ride around but you can't really say that's true exercise it's not uh, the farm's about 100 hectares so you get a bit of distance in but it's not it's not that much and you uh, you're a disciplined eater yeah i am try and uh, stick to little bit of the intermittent fasting so I eat a decent breakfast and try and have lunch around one and then most days I'm quite successful not having something in the evening and stay go through till the next morning but if you eat the right kind of lunch and you have enough uh, protein and try and cut the carbs and the sugar which is not always successful um, then you can handle it I'm kind of used to it now yeah, you got a guilty habit yeah, I like my chocolate. I, I'm i more disciplined with a coffee now. Um, when I coach, it's not that way at all. Then I'm just because just the venue has a nice uh, cappuccino machine. Mm. Um, and then I suppose the one area I need to tighten the belt a bit is I got into the habit of drinking a lot of Coke Zero. Uh, that's not really good. That's, um, that's like you and jo yeah. John Daly, the golfer. <laughs> I think it, apparently that's his, uh, his poison too. What about uh, yeah. what about hobbies, Penny? What did you describe as your hobbies? I suppose I don't know. Just uh, I don't have anything specific. I enjoy reading and, um, like I say, being in the outdoors. So when I'm not traveling, obviously travel gives you a lot of opportunity to read, etc. But uh, when I'm not traveling and I'm at home, it tends to be more time outdoors and trying to make up for the for the away time by being hands on with the dogs when I am here. And reading-wise, what do you read when you're on the road? Do you, are you someone who's into motivational books? Are you more an escapist who, who likes fiction? What, what do you fancy book-wise? I think mostly, uh, I, I don't know, it just depends on the mood. Uh, I have a fair amount of um, what one would call, I suppose, Christian literature. So those kind of books. And I do have the few uh, Robert Lundlum books and those kind of things just to escape. And I'm trying to look at my bookshelf here now. 
of uh, there are the, the psychology, self-help kind of things, but you kind of you feel like you've had an information overload, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned the Christian literature. Now your faith has always been very important to you in a big part of your life. Um, that's obviously right. that's obviously still the case. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I think especially in, in this period of time, you know, I I don't know. I think a lot of people must be going through emotionally a lot of difficulty in terms of worrying and. And for me, I mean, the journey, my faith journey was very, went very hand in hand with my, with my swimming. Um, so dealing with pressure, dealing with trusting God for the outcome, etc., was such a part of my life while I was an athlete. And of course, now that has translated into life beyond swimming. And there have been times in my career when, for instance, prior to the World Cup soccer, if you as a professional speaker, if you weren't talking about football, you weren't getting work, you know. Interesting. So there was a good time, a good exercise in faith, in trusting God for new avenues. And, and that's part of the reason how we got back into swimming. Um, and I can honestly say I am in a better place now and, and the happiest place, in, you know, of my life. And a lot of the, the downs and the dips during the journey about a decade ago was the catalyst for where I am today. So even though this COVID time is a difficult time and a, and a challenge, I do believe it's an opportunity as well for personal growth. And um, if you are a Christian, to really kind of learn what it is to rely on God completely for provision. Can you can touch on or expand on some of those dips from, from a decade or so ago? I think it would probably go even further than that. Um, from an athlete point of view, uh, you know, anytime you have, I suppose, not even just sport, but anytime you've had huge success in any arena in life, you're faced with a couple of challenges. First of all, you kind of not sure anymore who you can trust. People have their agendas, and so you become a little cynical. For me, to a large degree, I was kind of sheltered from that because I was based in the States and then Canada, so I didn't have to deal with my quote-unquote fame, which I, I hate that word, but anyway. Mm. And then obviously when I retired, any athlete who retires, you deal with, um, just like a CEO or someone who retires from their career, you deal with uh, your identity. How do you now identify? You know, you were always Penny Haynes a swimmer. What are you now? you got to reinvent yourself. You've got to find out how to transfer the skills you've learned as an athlete into life beyond swimming. You realize very quickly that, that as an athlete, you lived in a bubble. Mm. Everything was very measurable, specifically a sport like swimming, um, even more so than a team sport. Very measurable, very, um, you have your parameters, and it's a safe environment. So not only was I retiring and having to deal with that, but then I also moved back to South Africa which initially was very, very uncomfortable for me because I didn't I didn't feel comfortable with being recognized everywhere. I think for a time I even became a bit of a hermit. On top of that, I wasn't home for, I was probably home six months um, or had moved home permanently in short of five months when my mom passed away. Mm, I remember. So they were that as well. I didn't really deal with it at the time because I'd been away so much it's sort of like it doesn't quite hit you that the person is gone. It's almost like you've just gone away again, you know. So I think that kind of emotional journey was a two-year up and down. 
along with trying to figure out who Penny Haynes is outside of sport and trying to kind of believe and adjust to the fact that I'm now a businesswoman. I was quite comfortable on the speaking side always. That was never an issue, but it was everything outside of that, surrounding that, you know. And then, of course, the last thing, which I, I, at the risk of sounding paranoid, when I first came back from Canada and America, you know, that was a very safe environment, as I said. You hear all of this propaganda on that end about how bad things are in South Africa. So I moved home and I was uh, hyper-vigilant in terms of security. And it it took a number of years for me to kind of feel like I'm not checking the windows all the time. And strangely enough, the first night I slept on the farm, I slept like a baby. I didn't wake up once. Whereas I lived in a security estate in Pretoria, and if I woke up, I would go and just check that the windows are okay, the doors are, you know. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a bit OCD. <laughs> I can empathise. <laughs> um, but I mean, that was quite a. If you go back, and I mean, it's incredible to to think that your retirement was 20 years ago now. Now, yeah, I know. If, if you go back to 2000 when you retired, just you mentioned some of the. the issues or the, the things that happened around that time, but there, you haven't mentioned, there was, you also lost a close friend in Tara Sloan, a swimmer, around the same time, and then your mom as well, and like you said, dealing with life after being a successful swimmer, so it was a lot to deal with. When did you think you, you got to a point where you felt comfortable in your, in, in your own skin again? Um, I think, I think coming back to the pool, so to speak, helped. And by that, I don't mean getting in the water. It's just being on pool deck. I kind of, I remember there was a coach um, from Peter Marisburg, Wayne Ridden, who was kind of nagging me the whole time, come and work with these swimmers, come and do some breaststroke stuff. And I was refusing it the whole time. And eventually, because of circumstances, I felt I didn't have much of a choice. I need to take the opportunities come my way. So I agreed to go. And when I walked onto pool deck, I had this sense of, I just know what to do. You know, that inner voice was back, whereas I was always doubting it in terms of the business world. Um, and and so I think that kind of brought me back to feeling a little bit more like myself. Coupled with that, um, I'm very fortunate I had like people around me. Um, obviously, someone like Zelda, who's kind of known me since 1996, so um, went through seeing the athlete at the top going through the dips of retirement, figuring out who I am. So I was very fortunate to have, and not just her, her family, I have extended family on my side in Pretoria as well. So that was helpful. But as I say, it took about 10 years. And I think going through between 2008 and 2010, going through um, the post, you know, um, economics situation that we were all facing and then having to move back to the pool, also forced me again on a spiritual level to become a little bit more in sync with what I believe and and how to trust God and I think all of that came together and then I, mean, I think the final piece in the puzzle was coming to the farm and I realize now that I'm a strong naturalist and I think being in this environment you know in Canada I was looking out on the mountains you know and had the the snow peaks and stuff so I was very lucky. And then coming into Pretoria and being in a security estate, I kind of lost that, you know. So I think it's a, it's, and obviously, as you know, growing along up a, along the coast in Toti, you've always got the ocean. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a little everything, and then of course coming to the farm and having animals. 
maybe that's the biggest piece of the puzzle, you know, being exposed to cuddling the animals. Now, Penny, when you were swimming, I mean, I think the the, the projection of, of, of who or what Penny Haynes was from a from a swimmer point of view was was certainly, you know, a, a very focused, driven sports person who, you know, worked really hard to get where she got for, for her success. Is is that a true reflection of who you think Penny Haynes is, and is it an extension of, of of who you are in your personal life? Does that make any sense? Yeah. I- I think so. I, I again, I think in sports it's just maybe more measurable, but definitely the need to be disciplined, um, the strong need to always identify purpose. I think that that's sometimes been a negative thing in my life. Even that that too. I think I've I've kind of managed it better now, but I think post retirement even it was sort of like life isn't about having fun. It's about fulfilling your purpose what's the job that we had to do you know I was just way too serious I think I think I've chilled out since then but still um, definitely feel like very responsible Um, I suppose one could say towards my maker but but just in general to use the opportunities I have and the talent that I have um, for the greater good because otherwise really why are we here so yeah, I think some of that, that that focus definitely I still have the, the same focus. It's just not always as easy um, to keep it going because I control the environment in swimming to a large degree, and you don't always have that same sense of control in life. Now with the Olympics postponed to next year for now, and assuming it does take place next year, um, yeah. can you believe you'll be looking at the 25th anniversary of your 96 Atlanta? double gold in the, in the 100 and 200 meter breaststroke quite incredible to believe yeah yeah it is um way to make me feel old <laughs> no i'm joking <laughs> well, well you you and me both since we, since we had primary school together yeah. we're the same age exactly exactly yeah it, it's actually got, got a nice ring to it that it's 25 years hey it's unusual yeah so, it obviously um, wouldn't happen otherwise besides with a postponement yeah 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 so yeah i hope it happens um, who knows, maybe after 25 years we may have another breaststroker on the podium, uh, female in terms of Tatiana. I think it's going to take some really great swims and drops in times to, to be at the top of the podium, but certainly um, I can see her maybe meddling in the 200. Um, as far as the fact that no one else has won the 100 or 200 yet, I every single Olympic cycle I think, okay, this is going to be it. Who's going to do it? And um, there's a Russian girl, Yulia Efimova. So if she manages to prove herself clean, given the Russian potential suspension, um, she has the goods, I think, to do both 100 and 200, although she'd have this woman awesome 100 to beat the American. So, you know, who knows? After 25 years, on the 25th anniversary, maybe we'll get another double out of the Olympics. Do you uh, do you watch swimming, Penny, as a as a matter of uh, a personal interest? I'm obviously you coaching, but besides that, if you had a choice, and swimming was on a World Champs or a, a World Cup or an Olympics, would you choose to watch swimming? Is that does it actually interest you? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm on I'm the like I said the chairperson of the FINA Athletes Committee and on the bureau. So as such, I do attend all of the major swimming events like World Champs, etc. As um, 
athletes committee member, we have at least one representative at all of the World Cups and the Champion Swim Series and that kind of stuff. And then it's up to me if I want to go or just nominate others. Um, so I try and attend some of those. I find it – there was a time where I kind of would go to all these meetings and not necessarily go and watch the swimming. Um, but I'd say, again, the last 10 years since I'm more involved directly with swimming, I find it's very useful to go and watch and pay attention to the top athletes. And I think my appreciation for individual sports has probably grown since I've retired. I think when I was swimming, I was just focusing on the job to be done. And I, to be honest, I haven't really been a great sports fan. But as I grow older, I appreciate it more. I must be honest, I'm a little more biased towards the individual sports than I am the team sports. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the performance of athletes who've trained really, really hard to get where they are. Would you choose to watch any other... I'm not going to watch the rugby on the Saturday afternoon, <laughs> unless it's the World Cup. Would I choose to watch... If, if I would not... Put it this way, I don't need to have a super sport to be happy. If you know, um, I'm not one of those people who will get DSTV because I want to have super sport. Um, I would, I appreciate the track and field if I can watch that. Uh, some of the winter sports, but it always kind of gravitates back to the individual sports more than the than the team. Other than, except obviously, like I say, when we have something really big on the line, then naturally, I think everyone supports our guys. We said we you retired back in 2000. You must have been. 23 at the time dude how's your math <laughs> no way <laughs> what where, really think about it <laughs> 20 years ago 25 25 yeah yeah I, was, um, I had turned 26 in november of 2000 so yeah my last olympics i was 25 essentially that was the last time i swam um i was very ready then already to announce i was retiring that was the plan already in 98 but I was encouraged by people like Sam Ram Sammy and others to not announce it yet. I think they were hoping I might change my mind. So I waited, and then in February, I think, of 2001, I announced it officially. Do you have any regrets when you look back yeah. on your swimming career? Oh, I always I, – I, that's, that's a loaded question because I'm very, very happy where I'm at right now. I wouldn't want to change a thing in terms of where I'm at right now. So if I look back on my career and say, but for instance, the decisions I made in February of 2000, becoming a little bit too involved with that teammate of mine that passed away. I mean, I, um, for me personally, there was a spiritual motivation behind it. I felt that that was part of my role. And so I won't know. Someday I'll find out what was behind that, you know. But from a purely a sporting point of view, the person I was in 96 would not have put swimming to the side like I did in 2000. So the week before the accident, I was swimming faster than I did in 99. I didn't think it would affect me, but obviously it did. It's not the only thing. I made some poor choices based on the fact that I was now struggling in the water. So I went into 2000 not quite sure of how I would do. I think given the circumstances, the bronze was okay. But if you look at who I was in the house where I'm in 99, it should have been a double gold. So I guess that's one thing that sometimes I think about that, you know, I should have made better choices, but that's life. Having said that, had I got double gold, it would have changed my life in, in, in many other ways. And so I may not be where I am today and I wouldn't want that, right? Yeah. I think 
one regret I have, which I don't think would affect where I'm at today, so I can say that's that's a more legitimate regret, is 99 was a, an amazing season for me. I had a whole string of, as you know, world records in a row. And the last two happened in Durban at the short course pool outside Kings Park. I swam the 100, broke the short course world record, and then swam the 50 shortly afterwards and broke that record. The following day was the 200 short course, and I decided not to swim it because I was in a hurry to go on holiday. And I thought, you know, next year, World Championships, I'll at the World Short Course Champs, I'll break it there. And the thing is, I didn't go to those World Short Course Champs because they was the same date as the memorial for the swimmer that passed away. And so her parents asked me to speak at the memorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah, sometimes I want to kick myself. And I think the lesson in all of that is, is to, if there's younger athletes or pretty much all of us, is make the most of the opportunity you have right now. We often put things off and think I'll do it next time, but there may not be a next time. So whether it be in terms of sport or work or possibly even more importantly, your relationships with people. I mean, I think, you know, the night before my mom passed away, I had spent the previous evening at home and I spent time with her, said goodbye the following morning, it was a Tuesday morning, flew back to Joburg, thought, you know, I should phone her and say I've arrived and I'm fine. And then I thought, no, I'll phone her tomorrow morning. And then the next morning, my brother phoned and said she'd passed away, you know. So we need to say what we need to say when we have the opportunity and not delay things. Lastly, Penny, a difficult question. Would you regard your double Olympic gold in Atlanta 96 and breaking all those world records in a, around a similar time or your 1987 Dune Heights Primary Sports Girl of the Year award alongside Dylan Rogers as a sports boy of the year, your crowning achievement in, in, a, in a long sporting career? Definitely 87. <laughs> I think that was the catalyst for everything. You know, and it just wouldn't have been the same if you weren't there next to me, Dylan. So definitely that's the crowning um, moment of my career, yes. Just as I thought. But there's more to Penny Haynes than meets the eye. Her faith is a big part of her life. She loves living on a farm. And she's enjoying being back involved in swimming. South Africa's golden girl, well and truly happy and comfortable in her own skin.